Well, a big welcome to those who are watching and listening online. So glad you're joining us. It's so great to have you as a part of the service. And if the messages bless you in any way, do write and let us know. We would love to hear from you. Church, can we welcome those who are joining us online today? Hallelujah. So we're, this is uh, part two of a three-part series that we're getting into today called Blessed. And uh, it leads up to and concludes with, of course, our sacrificial offering on July 14th. And the, the reality is everything that takes place here at Connect Church is able to happen because of incredible people who generously, consistently, and faithfully sow of, and they're giving every weekend and week out. That's how it happens. And again, if you're here for the first time today and you're going, you know, see Mabel, these churches all talk about money. I just want to make it clear to you today that this is not a church that uh, does that. We don't hand around bags except only on one occasion when we do our sacrificial offering once a year. That's the only time uh, we do that. So I'm just wanting to clear that up. But we do come, we do take once a year a focused time to speak into and around and prepare for this offering. And we do it around tax, tax return time on purpose for that exact reason. And we don't apologize for that. And this is a time where we, and when I say we, I'm including us. I'm not expecting anyone to do something that we to ourselves are not prepared to do. But it's a time where we who call Connect Church home take from what God has blessed us with and sow into what God is wanting to do through us corporately together. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love to give away my money. Come on. So, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> that, that's, you're enthusiastic. That's amen. Hallelujah. We're off to a good start. You know, I, look, I know money, it can be a touchy, so, you know, already Tony's walked out. I mean, it's just like, but, but he's gone. He's like, he left. He's something he didn't see him. But I, I know it can be a touchy. And sometimes when people look, Pastor, why do you speak on worship or something? Well, it is a part of our worship. Oh, why don't you speak on? Why don't you speak on this subject or or that? So anything but that, and because you know it hurts a little bit. And you know, I've been watching my daughter Grace go. She's in the, in the hospital right now. And one of the things, because she, she's in there for a reason, because the birth didn't go as smoothly as we hoped, and she lost a whole lot of blood and stuff. So, so uh, again, I'm just glad she's still with us because she was rushed into theatre and all these kinds of things going on. But I do know what happened. When with grace as the doctors came in and they started prodding different areas. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? And does that, wow, that hurts. And how many knows when an area hurts, it's got to be fixed. Yeah. It's got to be fixed. So if, if you're going, when I'm talking about money, going, ouch, ouch, maybe that's an area that's got to be fixed. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, preacher preaching, don't write me any letters. Write Mason letters or something, you know, don't, don't write me any letters. So, so last week we talked about the irrevocable biblical principle of sowing and reaping using some of our observations from our recent trip to uh, Israel. Galatians 6 verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. Genesis 8 uh, verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not 
season. Uh, we looked at four things. We looked at, well, number one, where you sow, the garden grows. And in fact, if you don't sow anything, nothing will grow there. We saw that in Israel on the border. Where, where, where Israel was, was green. Where Syria was, it was mean. It was just desert. It was, it was nothing because people had sown there. So if you want to see some fruit, we've got to sow. Where you sow, the garden grows. Number two, we saw how much you sow determines how much you grow. You sow a little, you get a little. You sow nothing, you get nothing. You sow a lot, you get a uh, get a lot. It's just a principle. We also saw number three, what you sow is what will grow. In other words, don't plant a tomato seed and expect an orange tree. Come on. Yeah, right. It's just you've got to understand how this all works. It's the way God has made it. Number four, this is probably my favorite, is that sowing wisely turns wilderness wasteland into fruitful fields. Yeah. And what I said by that is we can change the landscape of our lives. Your life might be dry, just like Israel's deserts were. Your, land, your, your, your life might be in a wilderness time. But if you're ready to do the work, if you're ready to sow and cultivate and grow, you can change the landscape of your life. Good preaching right there. I want to just tell you, God is able to do I think I'm going to preach here because they were happy about that. They, 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 were able, they, they were able to change the landscape of that whole country by just doing that, by sowing even into the desert. So there's no situation that you're in that's too big for God to uh, not be able to, to change. And I shared a story from our time there. And if you haven't heard it, it's worth going. I'm not saying that because lots of other people say it's worth going hearing how the sowing and reaping can work even over 30 uh, something years. You always reap what you sow. So today I want us to understand just two things. I've only got two points uh, today. I, 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 and here it is. You ready for number one? It's not rocket science. It's just simple. Keeping it simple as so we're preparing our hearts for the offering. Number one, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. We, we just got to know that we are blessed to be a blessing. And, and, and again, I feel blessed. I'm, I feel blessed because grace is still with us. Thank you, Jesus. I feel blessed because I've got a new grand, uh, uh, grandchild who's, who's very brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got an afro. No, he hasn't. But it's, a, it's like, but he, he, it was so, such a, a, a cool thing. And it was so mixed because we were down at the hospital at 3 a.m. in the morning. And we had actually just got, I had a trustees meeting, zoomed down the hospital, came back home. And then they rang up and like, you've got to come back down. Grace is going into theater or, you know, bleeding, all this kind of thing. And so we, we were down there pretty much the whole, uh, whole night. But mum and uh, uh, bub are doing uh, great now. But I appreciate your prayers. She's still in hospital, and that's not, not normal. But, uh, but of course, when we talk about being blessed, and we, we understand, uh, certainly, well, I hope we do at Connect Church, that we're blessed so that we might be a blessing. Yeah. It's not just, and, and understanding also, it's not just a nice thing. Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice little saying. No, it's not, not just a nice thing. It's a Bible thing. Right. It's a Bible thing. God said to Abraham, or Abraham at that stage. I, and I love how the King James puts it. And especially if you're like, a, this is like a, a black preacher's kind of scripture, the way the King James it says, I will make of thee. I will make of thee a great nation. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I need some feedback. And I will bless thee and I will make thee a great name. And thou shalt be a blessing to all peoples. Of course, the contemporary English version puts it like this. I will bless you and make your descendants. That's us. I will bless you. We're grafted in. I, I, I will bless you and make your descendants into a great nation. You will become famous and a blessing to others. 
We're part of the family. This promise is to us. You know the song. Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons. Had. Come on, John Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. Some of the youth are sitting there like, I don't know that one. I don't know. I don't, um, no, it's not on the hit parade. Where have you found it? Have you heard that one? If you, just, if you don't know, you're, you're, you're grafted in. You're, you're part of a, a, a son and a daughter of Abraham. And so as a church, as Connect Church, we're blessed to be a blessing. That's why we did this year the $1 car wash. You remember that during the time just after the Christchurch terror attack. We'd set it all up and we had the $1 where we paid people $1 to wash their car. So they turned up and said, you're here for the $1 car wash? Yes, we are. Well, thank you. Here's $1. They were trying to give us $1. We said, no, we're giving you. We, we, we thank you for the privilege of washing your car. And we said, everything else from here on is free. And we gave them coffee and sausages. And people were actually blown away. And you remember, of course, there was other car washes that were charging, way overcharging, seven bucks down the, <laughs> down the road. And we were actually giving people money. So we knew they'd be upset with us. And so we took a whole pile of money down there and said, hey, we realize you might be upset that we're doing this, but hey, here's a whole pile of money for the cause you're uh, doing. And they were like, yippee, who does that? Uh, and they made a video, of course, you know, you know that, that, where, they, where they thanked us. And, and uh, again, why do we do that? Because we're blessed to be a uh, blessing. We want the community uh, to know that we will do you good. Come on, do you believe that? We will, we will do you good. That's why we do Sorry Saturday. I mean, that's it. I mean, we take the entire amount, everything that's put uh, put in, and we just give it. We, we, we just give it away every year for the last 11 years. We've been uh, doing that. And can we just one more time put our hands together for all the outstanding volunteers and who made it every year? So every year we've been able to do that to help different ministries in India for the last five years. Of course, we've been helping uh, uh, Karu Kalan in India and indoor and just being able to feed the, like this money that we give feeds the kids, up, ups their menu, goes from vegetarian to some eggs and chicken. Come on, somebody, because we're able to do uh, uh, do that. And they just love it, absolutely love it. And it enables us to do it. I don't know whether you're aware of this, for the, this is the eleventh year we're, we're we're doing it. So far, about fifty thousand dollars has been given to be able to do that. Plus, last year, that's not even counting the ten thousand dollars that the women's ministry raised. Any girls in the house? Woohoo! Uh, oh, come on, women! That was not very good. And all the women in the house gave ten thousand dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Men are quiet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Security, remove that woman. Uh, no, so so. But hey, there's fifty thousand. Kate said she just averaged it off, so it's actually more than that. Fifty thousand plus the ten thousand plus the seven thousand. So uh, with, with with that, and evangelistically speaking, we, we are talking about nearly seventy thousand dollars altogether. Come on, church, put your hands together. That we've been able just give away, just give away. We don't take it. We don't take it. So and and that and, and that's not all. And that's not all. The gift lives on because right here, what are you doing in New Zealand? Well, we take all the thousands of items that are left over and give them to the Salvation Army. Army ministry, and they gratefully receive them to help people all across New Zealand be blessed with that. So again, it's just a gift that keeps on giving. And so it's, it's pretty incredible. But we are blessed to be a blessing. That's my first point. The second thing I want us to understand here today is that number two, it's all his. It's all his. What is? Well, everything is. 
Everything is. When you worship God through our giving, when we worship God through our giving, and it is an act of worship, we need to remember that we are stewards and not owners of our resources. Our time, our talent, our, our treasure all ultimately belong to Him. Even our bodies, even our very lives, you're saying, really? Yes, really. How do you know that? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, you are not your own. You are not your own. You were, you, you, you were brought with a price. What was the price? This, the cross, the freedom that we have. See, we, we are all Barabbas here today. We're all those ones who have walked free. Why? Because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God, the gift of God, we don't deserve it. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. My friend, if you don't know that today, if you've turned up at church today and go, what is all this Christianity about? Knowing that there, I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And died for you. And you, if you would give your life to him as we have, he will change it. That's why people say the amazing grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me. I was just not a nice person. Sometimes my wife thinks I'm still not a nice person. I? But I, no, no, she, 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 she does. She loves me. She loves me. I'm going to pay for that one later. So but, 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 but this is the amazing grace of God. How sweet the sound, it saved a wretch. Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was well, anybody else whose life he's changed? Come on here. I mean, he changes people's lives. But our life is not, when we try and do it our own way, it doesn't work. Listen, you are not your own. You were brought with a price. God's riches. It's a free gift, but not a cheap gift. It costs God everything. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, it says. And then Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, God says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. In other words, it's all His. Yeah, that's right. It's all His. People say, well, I give my tithe. If you're new to church, a tithe just means a tenth. I give my tithe. The truth is, it's His tithe. Right. We don't give our tithe. We, 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 it's, it's, it's His tithe. We talk about His tithes and our, our offerings. And we, 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 we don't give it. We just return it. Because it's all his. Tap your neighbor and say, you needed to hear that. <laughs> it's all his. Turn back to them and say, well, I'll talk, talk, talk a bit. Well, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've got to understand we are stewards and not owners. And, and that's important because when we understand that, when we, when we get that, I, I, I think that it can release blessing and favor over your life. When, when you understand everything that, that, that we have is, is, is a blessing and, and, and everything that we have is a, a gift that comes down from above. Everything that we have, have belongs. It's His. It's all His. It can release blessing and favor over your life, over your family. If you're a business person, over your, over your business, over your relationships. And I want to say this, and I've seen this, that blessing and favor can open doors you never felt possible. I mean, again, there have been times in our lives where we've stepped out and where we, again, I'm not just saying this, hey, you guys do this. We've stepped out and again, I thought, well, how are we going to survive? How are we going to get by? And then someone gives us a free trip to Israel. 
You, you can't outgive God. On these matters. Blessing and favor. Listen, blessing and favor will open doors you never felt possible. Blessing and favor will bring you into spaces and places of influence that you, you never even dreamed of. And I saw this again in my friend Todd's life. I, I met Todd. He was one of the people in Israel that we were on the bus with. And as I said, there was 50. Oh, I said 50. Anita said there was only 50 on the bus yet, evangelistically speaking. So, okay, there's 50 people on the bus. I get their number mixed up. But, the, but, but these 50 people on the bus, leaders and pastors from all around the world. And this was Todd, and uh, we'd spend uh, 10 days you're traveling, so you get to meet people and talk with the people. And so I started sitting with Todd most nights, and we were chatting away, and, 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 and I said, where do you live, Todd? He's like, I'm in, I live in Florida. I'm from America. I live in Florida. God bless it. And um, uh, so he, he, he's there. We're talking away. Then I hear him talking to the person on this side, and he's like, yeah, Washington, Washington. And so I'm like, Oh, well, I thought you said you live in Florida. He said, I, I, I do, Adam, but I work in Washington. I was like, well, well, where do you work at in Washington? He says, I work at the White House. I was like, okay, okay. Now I'll lean in, lean in. And I said, can I be your friend? And I said, <laughs> so he said, I work at the White House. That's what I, uh, that's what I do. I was, I was like, I work for a pastor called Pastor Paula White, and I'm in charge of all the faith initiatives that are being put out from the White House. Now, this is not a pro-Republican or Democrat thing going on uh, uh, here. It's just favor thing. So he's like, what God has opened up in that area is unbelievable. The favor we have to, to, to do whatever we've got to do in the faith realm and our, and our uh, uh, work that we're doing there is, is unbelievable. Believable, and and of course, then I, I told him how I've met the prime minister, and uh, here in New Zealand, I said it was an awkward moment. Met him in the airport, got John Key and Bill English mixed up, and because uh, they just sort of changed. And then I was going to call him John Johnny English, which is kind of Mr. Bean, and I was like, it all could have gone uh, so so wrong. And then I told him I was on a plane. I was on Air Force One, our Air Force One, which was a, a Air New Zealand bombardier, but Jacinda was on it, and we were cruising. And as Jacinda got off, I I said. Come on, Anita, let's go. Let's join the entourage. And we were walking there uh, looking like very, very important people. And, uh, and uh, I was like, That's, we, we can meet the prime minister easy. No problem. He's like, in America, you can't do that. I was like, well, have you ever met the president? He said, yes, Adam, I have. And, and I was like, okay, prove it. And he gave, he, he gave me, he, he just put up the photo. So there, there's, there's Todd and Melania with their little selfie. And then I still didn't believe I went and hunted down to see if that's really true and found a news thing with him in the White House. Well, there's my friend Todd at the back there. The, and so I have actually just received an invitation to the White No, I haven't. I, I haven't. <laughs> But, but, uh, but again, he's like the favor that's opened up. He was never, he was just doing his job. Things have opened up and, and God has given him favor in that arena. Friends, blessing and favor. You will never know what God will open up for you unless you step out in obedience to him. Can I hear a good amen? Yeah. So again, we've got to get the fact that we are stewards and not owners. When we understand that, when we, when we grasp that, I think it, it can and it does release blessing and favor. But don't just take my word for it. Let's hear Shem's story as he sought to be obedient to God in this whole area. Let's watch a little video with Shem. 
Uh, so my name is Shem Phillips. Um, I'm a board game publisher and designer. I'm married and we have two beautiful little girls, Chloe and Bryony. Um, and I spend most of my days either playing games or creating games. Uh, so I grew up playing a lot of games, a lot of card games and the classics like Monopoly and Cluedo and Scrabble with my family. Um, and I'm naturally a creative person, you know, I love music, I um, love writing music and performing it. When I started out I was financially stable because I had a job and that kind of stuff, no children, so it was just a hobby that I did. I wasn't really making money on it, it was just for fun. Um, but as I released more games and kind of became a bit more well-known worldwide and attending conventions and that kind of thing, and I met all these kind of publishing partners that I'd made in France and Germany and that kind of thing. Meeting them and seeing that they do this full-time, like five or, you know, four or five of them in a team, that kind of got me thinking, why can't I do this? I'm just one person. Um, so I went home from that, which was around October, and just was really thinking, can I, can I do this? Can I actually step out and make this full-time? Um, and it was a real big face, face step. So I did my first Kickstarter campaign. I went on there just thinking I'll just print 500 units and just try and sell as many as I can and maybe this will be my last game design. I was at, I was at that point where I was like, this is a fun hobby but maybe it's run its, run its legs. Um, that campaign blew up in my eyes. I ended up selling, I think it was 1,300 copies, raised 76,000 New Zealand dollars. And I was just like, this is crazy, people want my games, you know, I've never seen this before. And then our most previous one, which was this March, did, I think it was 900,000 New Zealand dollars. So the, the growth has just been insane. You kind of, you see that what happens and you think, is that it? Like, but you've got to imagine, like, think of five years from now. Um, and just really trusting God and knowing that, like, he's, he's put this in my hands for a reason. Let's manage it well and then see where it can go. Uh, so one thing that, it's not a struggle, but it's something that kind of uh, is on my mind quite a bit is how am I putting my belief or my faith in Christ in my games. Like if I'm going to play games or go to meet people, it's always, you know, prayer in the car beforehand, ask the Holy Spirit to be with me in those moments. But I treat it more as a, um, it's kind of just been an in your marketplace, I guess. I mean, most of my games so far are like medieval Vikings and Franks, and it's not exactly like a, the shining light of who Christ is. Um, but the, the experiences they cre create at the table for family or friends, for me, is where it kind of shines. Um, so knowing that my games can bring a family together, knowing that they can help someone who might be bedridden in hospital, they can still play a game, you know, if, you know, even if they're disabled, they can still use their mind and play games and enjoy it. And I've had a, quite a few situations of people contacting me saying that the, game, the games have really influenced them, have um, helped them through hard times, that kind of thing. Um, and for me that makes it so worthwhile. There was an email I got about a year ago I think from someone, um, I can't remember where they're from, I think they're in Europe somewhere. But she basically went on to say that she was diagnosed with lupus um, and she was basically bedridden um, for a long time in hospital. And she was able to get one of my games um, which has a solo option so you can play the game by yourself. And she said that having the opportunity to just play those games while she was stuck in a bed gave her so much hope and enjoyment through that hard time. Um, and I don't know, you know, like if it was a, a God thing, um, if, you know, like it's, I guess it'd be amazing to, for me to think, you know, God's actually touching her life through what I'm creating. Um, but regardless of kind of what happens, the fact that a gift that God is giving me can bless someone else is, is amazing. So for me, the things that have really helped, I guess, 
the business become a success um, financially and just as far as like being able to provide for my family through it. Uh, well, two main things really is knowing that Christ is my provision, that He is the one that provides everything that I have. That's not mine, He's given it to me, it can be taken away. Knowing that no matter what comes my way, He's got me covered. Um, and secondly, because of knowing that, tithing is a huge part. It's never been an option for me, it's always just been, it's just what you do. And just remembering to always hold things loosely. Um, nothing that we have in this world is our own, it's always a, it's a gift from God. And I've seen God's blessing through that. Yeah, I know there's a time about eight years ago, I wasn't full time, I was doing another job. But I remember there was a there was a time where I was just, you know, angry and frustrated because we were struggling to get groceries that week. Um, and I remember having a moment in the car just going like, God, like, you know, I remember kind of when I was younger, uh, I felt God sort of say, I always provide for you. Because I lost my father when I was young, so having him say, I'm your father, I'll provide for you. And in that moment, eight years ago or so, I remember sort of saying, God, you said you would provide, you know, and I was, I was getting angry, you know, because uh, we were struggling and things were rough. That week, I got a job offer, I got people just dropping off groceries, and all these things sort of, in one space of a week, started happening, and it just felt like God say, you know, you thought I wouldn't provide for you, come on, you're my, you're my child. I had this this word that always stuck with me was that you, you came into this world naked and you'll leave it naked. Um, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but bless the name of the Lord. And that's kind of been a bit of a, I don't know, a thing that stuck with me that Nothing that I own is mine, so why try and grasp it by hold on to it? God will always provide. Um, so even if we go through the horrible, horrible times of terrible financial woes or whatever, I always know that God will provide. So Shem understands. Shem understands this time, treasure, and talent are God's. He, he understands that the wealth and riches. I mean, I remember his first one that he was, starting, he was trying to get 10 grand. He was like sweating it to, to, to go to a place now that when he, remember, this is, this is before he's even created the thing and he's putting it out there and people give him close to a million New Zealand dollars to see because they're excited about what's, uh, what's going to come. So Shem understands that his wealth, his riches are from him, that it's his. And that he gives us the ability to make wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 8 verse 18. But remember, don't forget this, people. Remember, it's not you. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Adolf Monod said this, There is no portion of money that is our money, and the rest is God's money. It is all his. He made it all. He gives it all. And he has simply trusted it to us for his service. I don't know if you remember the donut story I shared a few well, years ago, but it just came back to me as I was preparing for, for this. And we were, you know, we were just in Auckland this week at the airport and brought some Krispy Kremes on the way home. But there was this guy named John, and he was taking a flight, and so he goes and buys some Krispy Kreme donuts, and he gets to the airport. It's absolutely packed, packed out, so that you know what it's like. It's just the place is full. Sits down at a table. There's others at the table because there isn't enough room. The donuts are on the table, and 
and uh, he's just looking at them, and he he, he uh, uh, goes to goes to grab one, eats it, and he's uh, the, the guy next next to him. He doesn't know who he is. Is staring at him, and he's like, okay, the guy's staring at me awkwardly, but never mind. So he, anyway, he's eating his donut away, and then the guy who who he doesn't know reaches in and, and grabs one of the donuts, and he starts eating it. And John's like, what? What? Can you imagine that if someone's trying to eat your Krispy Kremes? Come on. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? I don't even know you. I didn't say you could do that. And so he's, he, the, the, the guy's just looking at him, just staring him right in the, right in the face. And so John's like, what the heck? And so John grabs a, another donut and's like, you know, uh, uh, eating it. And then the guy, he, he grabs another. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, I'm a Christian, I can't beat this guy, I'd like to lay hands on him, but I just, I, you know, he's getting really, really frustrated. And then before John could do anything else, the guy took another donut and was like, and John's like, just grabs the last donut, his flight's been called, he's just like furious, walking off. And so anyway, he gets on, uh, gets on the plane, he's about to take a seat, takes his overcoat off, put, goes to put his keys in his pocket, and there in his overcoat pocket is his bag of donuts. The donuts John was eating were not his donuts. <laughs> he was eating the other guy's donuts. <laughs> And suddenly John's perspective changed. The guy who he thought was selfish and rude and mean and nasty, he suddenly realized, oh, that's me. Friend, I'm just here. The moral of the story is it's God who owns the donuts, people. I, I, I'm just telling, come on, let's give some praise. It's God who owns the donuts. And when you're, you just be aware of whose donuts you're eating. You know, God's heart is to, but worship team can come. God's heart is to, I think I've said all I'm going to say. God's heart is to bless, and we've got to know that. God's heart is to, uh, to bless. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, He has made us accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. You and I are accepted into God's family, which is pretty cool. But the word accepted actually in the Greek is the word uh, charitou. I think that's how you uh, uh, say it. But it, what it means is highly favored. You are highly favored. You've got to understand God is for you. He's not against you. He is for you. You're blessed. But you're blessed for a reason. And so this coming week as we prepare for what, what it is that God would have each one of us so we can, we can do so prayerfully and carefully. And we can do so with the understanding that it's all His. We're just stewards of His resources. And because of that, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And so for us who call this church home, this is not for those who, are, who don't call it home. This is not, there's no pressure or anything for us who call this church home. We, we have a responsibility to, to seek God, the God whom we, we serve as to what we should show, so what we should sow, that this part of God's vineyard may grow. Remembering we always reap what we sow. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, it tells us you're, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
Before we finish today, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to Him today. Maybe you're here today and you've come to church for the first time. Maybe someone invited you along. Maybe you found it on the internet or whatever and you've turned up here today. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you've never got right with God. You've been doing things your own way, but here today you've realized, you know what? I'm His. And maybe you're here today and you, you know that you need to get right with God. You know you need to, if you like, hand over the ownership of your life to Him today. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that says, Christ, come into my life. And if you're here today and you'll know it right now, even your heart is beating. You know you need to respond to this. You know, just as I did some 34 years ago in a meeting just like this, that I needed when the man stood up and did what I am doing right now, I knew that I needed to respond to that gospel call. You're saying, but pastor, I need to sort out my life and, and fix it up. I need to get better at, uh, uh, before I can come to church. I don't feel, feel holy enough. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel, friends, this is the beauty of the gospel. It is never about how bad you are. It is about how good God is. It's never about what you have done. It's about what God has done. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. And if you would give your life to Him today, if you would give your life to Christ, if you would say, God, I hand over the ownership of my heart. I hand over. I put the, the, I, I've had my throne in my heart. I, I, I want you now to sit on your throne in my life. If you're here today and you know, that's me, Pastor. Friend, you can come to Him. See, because this is the thing. This is the beauty. This is the beauty of what the gospel does. Religion says, fix yourself up and then you can follow. Sort yourself up, then you can follow. But Jesus says, follow me and I'll fix you up. I'll work it out for you as we submit our lives to Him. Can I ask for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed right across this auditorium? If you're here today and you're saying, that's me, Pastor, I I know I need to get right with God today. I need to hand over that ownership. Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? If that's you here today, whether you're sitting in the back, to the side, to the front, in the middle here, wherever it is, this is your moment to respond. I'm not going to get you to come out of your seats. I'm not going to get, I'm just going to, you're, you're putting your hand up to say, would you include me in the prayer you are going to pray? And so if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is a moment between you and God. Would you put your hand up and say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Is there anybody here? You know you need to get right with God today. You know you need to give your life to Jesus. Is there anyone here? I want to take a moment. Don't delay You know you need to get right with God. Put your hand nice and high. And there, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, madam. Anyone else can slip that hand down. Anyone else? You know, don't don't leave this place without getting right with God. Just put your hand up. I just, I sense there's somebody else. Somebody else. You know that you know that you know that you need to get right with God here today. Don't delay. Come on. Where are you? Who are you? No one's looking. Just put your hand up. You're just saying, that's me. I need to. Would you include me in that prayer? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Saviour. Today, I give my life to you. Be not just my Saviour, but be my Lord. Cleanse me of all my sin. Wash me. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those who have responded today, if that's your first time as you go out of the church, the pastors will be holding up a gift pack. And that gift pack is a Bible and a little bit that tells you about the church. Grab one of those on the way out. If it's a recommitment, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep coming to church and allow God to speak to your life. Can we stand and can we put our hands together and thank God for those who said...